Alrighty. So we are with another podcast ge- podcast guest here on the Soma Mama podcast, and I'm so, so excited to introduce you to her. Her name is Natalie. Pronounce your last name for me so I don't, I don't butcher <laughs> Guerrero. Guerrero. Or we can just go by Gibson. Either side. Guerrero Gibson. And Natalie Guerrero Gibson is an absolute walking angel on this earth. I am going to tell you first how we met and then why I felt inspired to bring her on the Summer Mama podcast, other than um, her being a very near and dear friend to to me and a mother that inspires me and has helped me in so many ways. Um, but yeah, she also will inspire you, I hope. And and you'll get to take some tidbits from, from her life and um, her approach to motherhood that will hopefully land in your your parenting or just your life toolbox. So So yeah, so Natalie is originally from Pennsylvania and I will have her introduce herself to you here in a moment. Uh, Natalie and I actually met because we were neighbors when I moved to Pennsylvania just about two and a half years ago. And Natalie now resides in Waco, Texas. Um, Her husband is in his residency program there, which she might talk to you a little bit about as well. Um, so unfortunately, we lost them um, from Pennsylvania, but we we still keep in close contact. And luckily, her family is here, so they do come back and visit, and we get to connect. And when I tell you, you know, this was those moments in life that you just can't can't describe. You can't bring reason to them. Just a you know, God-given human that came into your path to complete divine timing. And um, one of the first moments I interacted with Natalie, I will never forget this. We I, we were just moving into our house and she was in her driveway. Um, and she, at the time, her her son was seven months old, right? Or yeah. 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 It's just wild. And um, and so, you know, they would be playing outside. And I remember approaching her just to to introduce ourselves. And um, at this point, I was only about eight weeks pregnant, I think. Yeah, I would say very newly pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> like, was it showing yet? Um, and I, but I just told Nat right away, oh, well, we're expecting to. <laughs> and um, we didn't know the sex of the baby yet. Um, but there was just this, like, I knew from the start that he, it was our baby was going to be a boy. But anyway, there's just <laughs> felt like, felt connection. And, um, and it just continued in that way and i'm sure i will i will share moments um with with all of you but one comes to mind specifically just to really paint the picture of our connection as courtney texting now when i was i was three and a half months postpartum and my milk supply had dropped and i was just on the verge of tears thinking that i was an absolute failure and i we didn't i think we had some sample formula packets in the house mm-hmm. but at that point we hadn't we hadn't gone we hadn't used formula and I was like, Nat, what do we do? And, and I don't know. And, and she, and, and like our, you know, our houses were footsteps away from each other and no more than 30 seconds, she was knocking at our door with frozen bags of her <laughs> breast milk. And at the time she was just, um, her son was just weaning and off of breast milk entirely. And, um, 
And there we have it, you know, so I don't know if there's, there's a terminology, right? For, for kiddos who share. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. There definitely should be because (laughs) instantly made Dre my second child. (laughs) I'll say that our, our sons are, we're milk brothers and uh, Yes. yes, to this day when they connect, when they get to play, they're just two little mm-hmm. little bros running around they just understand each other and um it's so so sweet so without further ado natalie introduce us um introduce yourself to us and just tell us a little bit about you and uh, yeah where you come from where you are now and um yeah feel free to go into your journey into mother sure. <laughs> so like Corey said, my name is Natalie Guerrero Gibson. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a long story on how we got there. But um, yeah, Courtney and I kind of just fell into each other's lap to say like the very least. We, I mean, when I literally say fell into each other's lap, we had just moved into that house as well. And the neighbors there left in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden this house was up for rent again. And we were like, well, who's going to be our neighbor? Like, who's going to be here? Like, will it be anyone with kids? And um, I was newly to the stay at home life when they moved in. And everybody listening that stays at home knows immediately how lonely it is when you don't have anybody else. And I can't even explain to you. It's so funny when you're like, oh, I told you right away I was pregnant. The amount of hope and like excitement that came into my mind when you told me that. And I remember going back into the house and saying to Zach, like, oh my gosh, Courtney's pregnant. Maybe that means she's going to be home. Maybe that means we're going to have somebody next door. Maybe that means we're going to have somebody to talk to. And Courtney lives outside. If you know Courtney, you know that. <laughs> like she's outside all the time, barefoot, just like we are. And so we would see her all the time. So it was like, please, please. <laughs> keep her here with us but that's not about me but just how like how instantly the connection was and how much it was like a prayed for friendship even in that sense of how desperately I needed somebody to come into my life in that season of motherhood um so speaking of my season of motherhood so Courtney mentioned Zach is a a resident right now which means we had Fletcher that's our kiddo's name in medical school (laughs) So we had such a medical school, which was a surprise, but we were totally on board with it. And he came out, let's just say a blazing. <laughs> uh, labor was really hard. Birth was really difficult. Pushed for three and a half hours. He entered the world as the biggest baby anyone in my family has given birth to, as I am the tiniest person in my family that anybody has ever given birth to. I am five foot three, maybe a hundred pounds wet. (laughs) And I had an eight pound, six ounce, 21 inch baby that came a week early. (laughs) So I was very thankful he came early. But with that also came, if you're an allergy mom, you're going to know this right away, a milk protein allergy, um, some diagnostics that were ran later, some MRIs, a surgery for some other things, just made for a really, really tough first six months of life. And when Courtney and Sadiq moved next door, we had just figured all this out. Like we, it was February, right? Yeah. So February, we had figured out in December that he had a milk protein allergy after he was born in July. We had our first MRI in December. Surgery in February got canceled. And it was just 
a really hard season and they moved in next door. And it was like, if you think you're going to connect to a mom, you're going to connect to another mom when you're going through the thick of it. Like it just made for a really hard infancy, which made for a really lonely period. And yeah, so that's, that's, again, that's back to like who we are as friends, but it, that shifted who I was as a mom so much because you go into motherhood expecting things to go so easily and so naturally and so gracefully. And there was nothing graceful about the entrance of motherhood. Oh, and I exclusively pumped <laughs> because our kiddo had a lip tie and we, and, and it, we didn't catch it until he went in for his MRI and they could see when they were intubating him. So <laughs> it made for a really rough entrance into it. And when you make those connections with other moms, or if you have them, or if you don't have them, if you don't have them, one, start praying for them and start looking for them because sometimes you just have to open your eyes to them. And if you have them, <laughs> hug them, thank them, hold on tight to them, connect with them, even if they're 24 hours away, because it won't change. And maybe you haven't talked to them in six, seven, eight months. doesn't matter. Connections there, reach back out to them. <laughs> but that is like, it's hard to say that that's a part of who I am now, but it is. And motherhood can overshadow that so much. Um, but my life pre all of this was I am a former former and current uh, certified vet tech. And so I worked with animals. I have two fur doggies and a fur cat who are great. And they're a wonderful, big part of our life. And yeah, I met my husband um, in November of 2016 and convinced him to marry me in February of 2017. And we got married July of 2017. <laughs> so we're, we're, you know, we like to go with the flow, which I think is partially why Courtney and I connected so much, but that is kind of who I am. And if you can't tell, I could talk for hours. And what you obviously cannot tell over this is that I'm actually an introvert, <laughs> but yeah. That's me. Oh, <laughs> uh, Nat, that was such a beautiful introduction. And oh, there's already so many tidbits there that I want to expand on and just bring more information to the listen listeners um, too mm -hmm. about, yeah, about what you just shared and about what you've experienced with motherhood. I want to say too, everyone who's listening, Natalie entered motherhood right into the and then went into the pandemic right so yeah <laughs> that wasn't mentioned as well when her side in february of 2020 when we moved yeah. and neighbors that's just about when we went into lockdown right and yeah. i remember when we would like oh we did this really sweet thing i'm now reminiscing on we would always bring in each other's trash cans like we do it on a yes. <laughs> i forgot about that yeah and it was just no questions asked nothing was mentioned we would just do it and and um i remember at one point in the like the height of just the questions and right her, her at the time her husband's in medical school so like his world yeah. is, is flipping upside down kind of like so many transitions they have yeah, a, a little one um, anyway, I remember at one point being like, I washed my hands before I touched your trash can. And they were like, dude, you are wild. I was like, I don't know. I do remember. <laughs> um, 
Yes. And just like time, you know, we're, we're, so we were in each other's quote, like bubble or circle mm -hmm. the, the entire time we would have like little driveway picnics. Our cars basically touched. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if you had a big enough car in our driveway, they touched the car next to them. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's important to note too. We, <laughs> the houses in this neighborhood, they share driveways. Most of them do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and which also is just like a beautiful analogy of unification for our families. And I mean, luckily, that's similarly when you guys moved out, we were like, we hope we like our new neighbor. Because there is there's a it's not like yeah, our homes have enough space apart from one another that we're not listening to all of our our happenings, but also yeah. like we're connected <laughs> by a yeah, literally. It's as much of a townhome as you can get without being like your walls aren't attached, but. Uh, I think we have you guys ever seen the thing where it's like you know everybody has the naked neighbor I, I remember literally sending it to Courtney and being like yeah that's me sorry like our kitchens look into each other's kitchens like <laughs> it just is what it is and it's hot yeah no literally there and it's I'm glad you acknowledge that too because there are moments <laughs> even where great in like I you know I moved across country don't have really any sense of like immediate community which is so important to me and so there'd be days where I would just peek out of my especially as a you know a pregnant mother during the pandemic mm -hmm. not working peek my head out of the house and be like are they out there today like how much is like too much texting that to see if we can play um and this you know while I was pregnant would just be me literally joining them um Natalie and and sometimes Zach and well actually most if he wasn't doing the schoolwork yeah um yeah and fletcher just on their front yard um playing games together and yeah. um yeah so of course i can continue to talk about that but <laughs> yeah i would love as you mentioned um i know a big part of your you've learned so much about mm -hmm. um the milk protein allergy and i know i've already yeah. connected you to one mama who's who has been going through that um but will you talk a little bit about that journey for for those who may have gone through it or might um, might be going through it right now with, with a little one. Yes, yes, I would absolutely love to. <laughs> um, one of the things I haven't mentioned yet is that I am um, also currently pregnant right now. And it is one of the things that's on the forefront of my mind in the hopes of not having another milk protein baby just because of how hard they are. Um, and I just wanna tell you right now, if you're in the thick of what somebody's calling us, quote unquote, hard baby is to not let it get to you <laughs> and to push back and to ask questions. Um, so one of the things that Fletcher first showed us in the very early stages of life was he had, you know, what people would categorize as a sensitive stomach, which yes, absolutely. Babies are, their digestive enzymes are coming in slowly. Like that just is what it is. They do, they get more adjusted things over time. Um, however, you know, I will tell you right now, and my husband would approve of me saying this, so I'm not going to get in trouble. But if somebody tells you, oh, your baby just has colic, you need to push back because <laughs> colic is basically another terminology of we don't know why your baby is so fussy, but they are so fussy and something is upsetting their stomach and we don't know why. So it's okay to push back on that. Um, it is something that is extremely hard. It is easy for somebody looking outside of the situation to say, oh, you just have a colicky baby. Then you being up at two, three in the morning with this baby that will not stop crying for no, no reason. It should be exhausted. It hasn't slept all day. It hasn't slept all night for the past week. And you're exhausted because you can't figure out what's wrong, but you can tell that it's not a cry of just crying. It's a cry of, I need help. And you're staring at this baby and they're fed, 
they're dry, they're snuggled, and they're still upset. And you feel like you are personally doing something wrong. Don't take that as a time to be like, and it's, it, I'm saying this, and I know you're going to do it. And that's fine. Cause I did too. Don't take it as a time of what am I doing wrong? Why am I bad at this or X, Y, and Z? Take it as a, okay, something is going on. Something is up. It's okay to push back and ask more questions and get more answers and try to figure out why and what's going on. And, you know, yes, put a call into your doctor. I always say that, but also put a call into your fellow mom friends <laughs> because the reality is, is they've gone through this. They've been there. They might know tips and tricks to help it settle. Um, when it comes to milk protein, if you ever have an inkling that maybe you ate a bunch of dairy that night and now baby's super upset, um, some of the classic things to look out for, again, this is not medical advice, just mom advice is if they seem like they can't get comfortable, like if it almost seems like, I mean, let's be real here. Cause I think we can be pretty real on this podcast because I know Courtney is gas pain hurts. <laughs> if you have a gas bubble, it is a stabbing side. You, especially if you have a baby right now, you've been pregnant, <laughs> you know, how much gas and indigestion hurts like and so now put this into a teeny tiny body that doesn't even understand pain and because like you said doesn't yeah, have the digestive enzymes that we no and doesn't have enzymes yet either and i'm sure zach he might even know the statistic but i but i've heard several of times uh, there's a high percentage of people who go into the mm-hmm. er with like gastric pain that ends yes yes it's very high and you get end up getting an ultrasound on you and it's like this incredible pain that you think maybe your pancreas is exploding or appendix or anything like that is gas yep. so it is literally that painful and um one of the things that i found really interesting in po- upon learning more and more and more about most protein is they actually even categorize it as what's called an enterocolitis which basically means that inflammation of the colon to the extent where there's some bleeding. And so like when you think of pain in that matter too, like that's an extremely painful thing. Um, but sorry, I get like back and forth, back and forth. But so something like that where the baby is just unconsolably uncomfortable would be something to think about. Um, if you're noticing after you've had a bunch of dairy, or let's say you switch to a dairy formula, that baby is um upper respiratory like symptoms. So that was a big thing we missed in Fletcher for a long time as we just kept thinking that as like a one, two, three month old, he kept getting sick without a fever. That was the big thing. He never had a fever, but he was totally like really upper respiratory congested. Um, so different things like that. And again, you guys, like, I know that everybody says that milk protein allergies are like, I think it's like less than 5% in breastfeeding babies that have that much intolerance. But I will just say this, that in my time of moving to Waco, Texas, where I feel like I've met more moms than I ever had in my life, just because my friend circle just wasn't having babies yet. And now my friend circle is babies because I'm trying to make Fletcher friends (laughs) type thing, is I have met five other moms in a small group that have milk protein allergies. So is it just something maybe we just haven't known for so long about and we're just discovering more and more and more? Maybe we're just digesting more milk. I don't know. I don't have answers. Again, I'm not married to a doctor, but not a doctor by any means, just a mom that's been through a milk protein allergy before. <laughs> and, um, but the big thing is you guys, if you do, if you're thinking that maybe it's a milk protein allergy is to cut it out for three weeks, 
like pet dairy out for three weeks, takes three weeks to get out of your milk supply, um, which is why I had those extra bags of milk for Courtney because they all had milk in them. I couldn't use them. I'm like, these have dairy in them. I literally can't use these again. Um, but, you know, with all of that aside, does, you know, your baby better than anybody else. Like if something in your gut is wrong and you feel like you're accepting an answer that everybody's telling you, but it doesn't feel like you're not settled, then don't settle. Like don't, because the reality is, is your intuition is just as strong as a lot of different things. I'll never forget this. Um, my husband told me this and he was in medical school. They said, if I'm, if baby comes in and they don't have a fever, but mom is saying to them, they're warm or hot and feel fever ish compared to their norm to believe mom, because you know, that baby, you know, that baby, you are holding it 24 seven. You know that baby, you know those cries, you know when that cry is different, you know when there's absolutely no settling them. And I'll just say this, you guys, like if there's ever a time where you're like, I just cannot do this, it is okay to put baby down for five minutes, walk away, <laughs> go take a deep breath, mm-hmm. go sit outside, start a timer. That's why I always say start a timer, start a timer for five minutes. Mm-hmm. if you need 10 take 10 you're not a bad mom mm-hmm. because you're controlling your emotions and your actions and when you don't control your emotions you cannot control your actions so mm-hmm. taking a conscious step away from your emotions allows you to make greater decisions again you start that timer and you come back in mm-hmm. again we have so much technology right now you have monitors you can take the camera out there with you you can know you can take five minutes to yourself to breathe, to close your eyes. I, I have seen Courtney outside multiple times while I was sitting on our doorstep taking a couple minutes. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to go back inside soon, but I have had a day. And know that if you're dealing with any sort of allergy, whether that be soy, dairy, eggs, peanut butter, anything, yeah, you've been dealt a little bit of a harder card, but there's no such thing as a bad card. When you're playing, when you're playing a hand of cards and you're playing poker, there's no bad cards. It's just depends on what everybody else has. And so you compare them and motherhood is the opposite of that. There's absolutely no comparison because there's absolutely no bad cards because there's no, there's no hand to win in motherhood. There's no hand to win. The only hand you have to win is raising up a child who is loved and cared for And that you are doing your best to take care of you and baby. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) So that's that's like the roundabout. Like I don't want to give you medical advice, but at the same time, like it's a real thing (laughs) and it sucks. (laughs) Yes, it is such a real thing. And I'm and that is coming from a place of not experiencing that on my own motherhood journey, um, but, but walking beside you and other mamas who who are experiencing that, and there's uh, there's multiple things I want to iterate and reiterate um, and bring attention to what you just mentioned. That um, one of them being like one of the first things you mentioned is trust your mama gut, self reference, mm-hmm. and seek out different yeah. practitioners if you don't if the if your your do or your pcp oh that can i talk about that real quick yeah yeah <laughs> let me just say this real quick while this has come up your p 
pediatrician, your DO, your MD, your physician, whatever you call them, whatever they are to you, they work for you. <laughs> you they work for you. If you do not align with them, if you do not feel comfortable, if your anxiety is on a rise, if you are not satisfied, you can get another one and you can fire them. And that is coming from a place of knowing multiple physicians and knowing that they all practice differently and knowing that your style of parenting might not align with theirs, your style of um, how you'd like to approach things might not align with them. And remembering too, that, you know, if you ever don't feel confident, safe or anything like that, they, they work for you. <laughs> you can go to the next one and it's okay to ask hard questions. And if anybody ever makes you feel like you can't ask a question, then it's time to find somebody else. Yes, 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 yes. That is, oh, and this is, we won't go down this can of worms right now. No, <laughs> but we have to say that. No, and we like, absolutely. Because what I'm going to say is, and we were just, we were just texting about this recently is how, you know, naturally as humans, we have e egos and that mm -hmm. can show up in, and I will be the first to say an ego is not yeah. a bad thing, right? They, 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 our survival. Yeah, our identity that that forms, you know, a certain part of who we are. Um, mm -hmm. And they can become attached to our role as a physician, for example, yeah. or as a as a medical practitioner. And in those instances, it is really important to find your the sense of separation between the two, yeah. right. And I would say yeah. that is not easy to do. But the easiest mm -hmm. way like in quotations as i'm saying this is to come back to your connection to your gut your intuition and i will say even for those who are listening and aren't yet mothers but do desire to be and if you are a dog mother it's if you are mm -hmm. you, know, you can fire your vet too <laughs> if you don't align with them yeah you um yeah, you have this, everyone has it, this primal instinct that that mm -hmm. just kicks in. And even in the moments, I say this often, where you don't think you know, you know. <laughs> but yeah, as, a thousand percent. As Nat said, you might need to just give yourself a moment to come into that knowing, mm -hmm. right? And calm your nerves. Or talk to a trusted party even. Yeah. That's not, that's just, you know, a third party. Yep. Call a friend or a friend of a friend, someone who puts you in mm -hmm. contact with another mother who's experienced something similarly um, so that you can share in that experience and not and you can feel heard. Number one, you you aren't judged, you aren't criticized. And um, it's it's truly so, so important. And I will yep. say time and time again, that was like one of the most aside from our just friendship yeah. as one of the most invaluable um, parts of our initial connection. Cause I will, I will say it right here too. Like I, I didn't even realize how heightened my anxiety was postpartum. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. The pandemic, which I even at the time, you know, it's one of those things we experienced something in the present moment and we don't, we don't really think about how different it was until hindsight. And we're like, yeah. oh, man. And so there's been moments where I'm like, dang, like Nat didn't even get to know, like, yes, of course that was still me, right? Like highly anxious right. Courtney is still me, but there are moments, right. Where my mind have gone to the place of like, but Nat didn't get to know me like in yeah. that state, you know, yeah. and it all like, that's, that's just the beauty of life is I know, yeah. you know, we've talked about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression and, yeah. and, um, yeah. Something and I, I am also well aware 
<laughs> yes, yes. And if you feel comfortable to share or speak to any, I mean, anything around, yeah. you, please feel free. Sure. <laughs> Always. I think one of the things that I've learned just with motherhood in general is the more you talk about something, the more common it actually is. It's not a matter of common and uncommon in motherhood. It's a matter of spoken about and unspoken about. It's the same with, you know, menis I'm putting this out here as a trigger warning. It's the same as miscarriages. It's not that they're uncommon. It's that that they're unspoken about. And it's not that they're not painful. It's that the pain is not spoken about. It's the same with postpartum depression it's and, or anxiety or prepartum anxiety or prepartum depression. It's not that it's not happening to other people. It's that other people aren't talking about it. And it's because other people haven't talked about it. And because nobody's talking about it, it becomes this, what feels like less than normal aspect of motherhood. And the reality is, is, you know, I wouldn't even throw a stat out there because I just don't think stats are anywhere accurate to what the actual number probably looks like for things that are hard to talk about, like miscarriages, like postpartum depression, prepartum anxiety, prepartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum bodies, <laughs> postpartum changes to your body. There are so many things that we just don't talk about that I think that they're way more gosh, common. And we, again, as mothers have this like innate ability to put ourselves in a bubble and to think that we are the only ones. And I don't know why that is. And I wonder if some of that is hormones just because of, I mean, gosh, <laughs> you got progesterone and estrogen and all these things coming and going rapidly through your body. And then you've got your oxytocin spot like spiking a missed labor and then you've got fight or flight adrenaline it's just like my goodness the amount of hormones that we experience as females is insane in the best way it makes us who we are it gives us a lot of different things but how much of it puts shame on ourselves because we make up these stories in our mind and then we don't talk about it which makes other people feel isolated as well and I just, yeah. So postpartum depression for me, what did that look like? I couldn't put a name on it until I was almost 10 months postpartum. I didn't know what it was. So it looks different for everybody else. So I'm just going to share my personal journey of what it looks like. Um, it probably started for me around six weeks post birth. Um, I remember the night vividly. <laughs> which is kind of crazy to me. <laughs> it's the number one reason I did not think we'd ever have a second. Um, I remember this night in the back of my mind. So <laughs> like, it's just there. It was in our master bedroom. And um, Courtney and Sadiq obviously did not live next door at this point. Nobody lived next door at this point. <laughs> I hadn't met people across the street. There was literally nobody. And um, Fletcher just wouldn't stop crying. <laughs> Like he just wouldn't stop crying. And Zach was away at his 
again, no, I, I, this is no fault of Zach. So don't, don't put this on him. <laughs> he was away at his brother's bachelor party. It was his brother. Like he was going to host him this bachelor party. Oh, I'm sorry. I said six weeks. This is three weeks. Cause I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. They got married then. So this was three weeks of age. So Fletcher and I had our first night alone at three weeks of age and he would not stop crying. <laughs> he would not stop crying. And obviously nothing happened of it, but I just remember and maybe you felt like this is wanting to throw him against the wall. Like, and that was the first red flag. And I thought to myself, wow, you are awful. Like you don't have patience with this little thing. You don't have a bond yet with this little thing. Yeah. (laughs) Here's your big flash of reality. If you're not bonded to your child after three weeks, it's not abnormal. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, it's abnormal in the sense of postpartum depression, but like, don't think like, oh, I'm a horrible person because it's called, it's probably one of your first flags. And I just remember being like terrified of myself (laughs) and terrified of what I would do. And I remember putting him down and crying. And (laughs) I remember like texting Zach and he was probably, well, you know, like a bachelor party. (laughs) And of course, you know, he was super sympathetic when he woke up, but it was just such a dark, time. And so when I looked through my postpartum depression journey, you know, that was the trigger for me. Like every single time it was late at night, it was in dark rooms. It was when I would feel the most triggered essentially to where it was the point of like just frustration and, you know, not, I don't want to say ideation, but like ideas of harm that never came to anything thank the Lord. Like literally, I think about that a lot. Like I'm so thankful to never have acted on them, but also understand going into this pregnancy, the seriousness of those thoughts and knowing that like, just like paint the picture for you guys. Like I have already had the conversation with my current OB, like the second appointment I told him I had postpartum depression he asked me, what did you, what did you take for? I said, absolutely nothing because I never told anybody. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he's like, this is, he's like, I don't mean to scare you, but I'm going to put this all over your chart and we will be checking in. And so, and again, like now it's easy to sit here and say, well, like, didn't your husband pick up on it? Like, wasn't he a medical student? We had the conversation probably about 10, 11 months when I was finally able to voice it. I got, I couldn't, I couldn't say the words. Like I couldn't even tell him the closest person, the most intimate person in my life. And I felt like my mouth was sewn physically shut. There were nights I wanted to tell him so badly. It was literally there. I couldn't open my mouth. I literally couldn't open my mouth to speak. And sure. I had my six week appointment, you guys, but like, like six weeks in, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad mom. Like literally those are my thought processes, which there's a whole nother topic that I could say, like, please schedule yourself out appointments with the physician way past the six week mark, just for yourself to check in with them. And you can tell them why. Um, but what I was saying is I had, I have already told my OB, my current OB about it. And I'm going to tell you guys how I told him, because I think this is important information for you to know is I wrote it down on a piece of paper because I was so terrified of my mouth being sewn shut again that I literally wrote it down on a piece of paper and had it with me 
And I was so proud of myself that I said it to him. And then I passed him the piece of paper and he was like, your postpartum was so bad last time that you felt like you needed to write down a piece of paper. I said, yes, because I wouldn't tell you otherwise. And he was like, okay, this is noted. Like this is very much so noted. And like, we will be on it. And what I was saying before was, you know, yes, my husband did not know, even as a medical student, because his reaction even was, this looked so different than I expected it to look. You know, it's different when it's your person. Like, don't expect your partner to pick up on your depression and then that be the answer to it. Because then you're going to start looking at them like I did and wondering, why don't they know? Why can't they see? And they have no idea what you're thinking. They have no idea what you're feeling. Their whole world has also just changed. I would I would guess that there's some level of spouse postpartum depression too, because there's just so many changes to your life with becoming a parent. There's so many changes in like everything that happens with parenthood. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that is in a nutshell, my postpartum depression journey, it looks different for everybody. But if you're, if you just, you know, related to anything like this, then maybe it's time to send an email. I'm not telling you to call up your physician right now because gosh, I know I wouldn't (laughs) like, I wouldn't have, so I'm not going to give you advice that sucks in the sense of, I know you're not going to do it. So what's the help, but type up an email, type up a text, send a text to somebody, send a text to yourself, send, type it up, pass your phone to somebody, like do anything, just tell somebody, because as soon as you tell somebody, you now have accountability and you now have somebody that knows that can ask you the hard questions that you don't want to be asked and it'll be so worth it. Now I will say to give you any glimmer of hope, my postpartum depression within like weeks of stopping nursing went back. I, I felt like myself very, very quickly. Um, and you know, maybe this is something you can relate to, or maybe you cannot. This was also my postpartum depression was exactly how I felt when I first started you know, a different type of birth control. Like when I, like the first birth control I had ever been on, you know, when Zach and I got married, that's what this felt like. So maybe you've been on birth control before and you felt like that before and that you can be like, oh, I know what she's talking about there. I'm just trying to relate it to different things that you might be feeling, but it's like a pretty wild shift in who you are. And don't just assume it's one thing or not. Assume that it's out of your control. Don't put the blame on yourself. Put the blame on something else. And let the doctors tell you differently. Oh, get a little postpartum. <laughs> now, I, I'm just, I feel so much gratitude and I thank you so much for sharing. And mm-hmm. truly, I'm, I'm, I mean, my heart is, is filled with just really all of like, it's joy <laughs> and it's all of the emotions, right? It has to be talked about. Like, that's the all, like, if I... I have said it my whole life because I've gone through a lot of different things in life. And it's like, if I can help one person with what I went through, then what I went through was worth it. Mm. Yes. And I will say, mm-hmm. we talk about this often as well. I know, I mean, she has mm-hmm. one little and another one on the way, but I'm like, Nat, you are an angelic postpartum doula. Without, <laughs> and she, she knows this about herself now. <laughs> joke about her being like being that person for, I mean, yeah old friends, new friends, Anybody. strangers, across the <laughs> random people on Instagram. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. And I have a couple more, more questions and things I want to talk about, but as we yeah. conclude, I'll, I'll definitely have Natalie share with you her, her Instagram and ways in which you can mm -hmm. contact her and I'll pop it in the show notes as well, because believe me, when I tell you this gal is an angel on earth and will make you feel so seen in truly, even, even when I recall back to my postpartum moments in, um, when I didn't even know what I was experiencing was like, I was in high anxiety, like Nat saw me and held me in those states and normalized that experience. And it's, it's, it's like, I feel forever indebted to her for that. It's so invaluable. It's easy babies. You did not have an easy baby either. <laughs> so <laughs> our, our, well, yeah, they are wild. They are run the world someday in the best way possible but my goodness gracious willful yes so um yeah something about about winding way we say that the boys were were built a little bit differently here um okay so i i do i want to circle back to milk protein real quick just if someone if a mom who loves dairy and and suddenly feels as if they need to eliminate dairy from their diet because they are nursing um or pumping or breastfeeding can you give us a little glimpse of, of what you did and and maybe some some replacement or meal ideas that that were your go-to because i know you guys love your pizza pies and that was that was a challenge for a while yes <laughs> Um, okay, so here's the good news and the bad news. <laughs> the good news is we live in a time where there are a lot of milk substitutes. Is that milk has been around for so long that it's <laughs> and I mean that in the absolute craziest way. Um, I'm just gonna list a couple of things that have milk protein in them that might shock you. Um, so some of your core vaccines have milk protein in them. So important to talk to your physician about that. If you truly believe that there is possibly a milk protein allergy. It's Motrin. So kids Motrin is off the table and Tylenol, however, does not have it. And then something else that is in milk protein, but here's the good news. I'm coming in with good news with this, um, is birth control, but they believe it's a small enough amount that it does not counteract. So you don't have to stop that, but it's kind of just mind blowing to me where, you know, there's going to be, um, let me try to my other husband real quick here. Be this essentially of what has dairy in it and that you truly have to check everything. And whey is one thing that they can say to make it, um, not sound like it has dairy in it, but almost everything you can look and see where it says allergens and then milk should be listed as an allergen. Um, so some alternatives that we did immediately was almond milk. So for you're not going to get the calories from it, but it actually substitutes into recipes very, very easily. The other So oh, when that, when that happens, like, honestly, you guys, it's the best thing to do is to go to places like Trader Joe's, like they'll have, um, 
bit of bougier places. And I know that sounds horrible, but you're going to have to go to bougier places a lot of times to find milk substitutes because otherwise they can hide really easily. Tacos are a great way to sell for meals. I think we lived off of ground beef for a long time. Because so I feel like any good chicken recipe has like milk in it, but that's cream-based. Again, you can grill a ton. Grilling actually, which is really healthy. Grilling became a large part of our lifestyle <laughs> because of that. Um, been extremely lucky you guys and maybe this will give you a glimpse of hope too yeah we are dairy we are dairy now he outgrew it i mean and fletcher had one of the most severe milk protein allergies that they said that he could have because he was having upper respiratory infection not not infections but he's having upper respiratory symptoms like even the slightest amount of milk protein could set him off um full body rashes soy etc so actually is this whole um blog that tells you and lists different things that are that have milk protein in them so you can automatically avoid them um i got it from one of my friends who has milk protein that they got it from their doc uh, and that's where i learned a lot of these different things that have it in it but it also comes with recipes there's like a hundred recipes um i actually sent it to the friend that you referred to me court and i was like oh well, hold on i have this whole screenshotted list of different things which let me tell you, like that resource is even new, like two years ago, that wasn't a resource. So it's becoming more known, more talked about, more accepted. Um, and I'm sure that there's probably Facebook groups now, even at this point, where like, even two years ago, it was like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. And we I will find that and pop that in the show notes as a reference um for everyone and yes thank you for highlighting i know the glimpse of hope and that i know a lot of parents will tell you oh they'll outgrow it which in the and i want to like in the when you're in it that doesn't feel good to hear so you're like but we're not there yet and it doesn't it doesn't feel i can imagine it doesn't feel like we're going to get there and um yeah so and for uh, and that's why i say take that glimpse of hope because this was two years and we outgrew it now i will tell you we do things like he was a little triggered by dairy and it was just a super preservative like crappy like i'm gonna be honest we have pizza <laughs> and that triggered him like that that dairy almost like not being you know good dairy triggered him but there's a lot of different things that like you can do you know there's this whole fad right now of raw milk not raw milk low pasteurized hemp milk unpasteurized all the different things like that i will say you know for us that has held true that he does do better with those, but he also now at this point does fine with any form of milk, just not really super, not really uh, cheap cheeses, <laughs> which I don't either. So maybe that's just something with cheap cheese. <laughs> and then you reap, reap the consequences and, and move forth from there. Um, well, Nat, I know that, that an, yeah, an hour of your time is precious and I want to be mindful of that. Um, my last question for you is I want to tell all of you, Natalie is one of those people like parents who actually does, she reads the parenting books and she will share them. <laughs> I love her so much is, is because I'm not someone who innately will read all the books. I like to listen. Um, I'm like, Nat, synthesize it for me. What are, where are the, what are, were the important parts of this chapter or like, what were the tidbits? So I want to, I want to teach, or excuse me, I want to talk specifically about toddlers and parenting toddlers. And if you could name like three of the most valuable learnings, either from things you've read or things you've experienced that you would share with our listeners. 
Yeah, as Courtney said, I have become that person that reads the books. I don't read, like, I know you're going to, you're just going to blow your mind. I don't read anything nonfiction or fiction. I don't read fiction at all. So like, I am not a reader if it doesn't benefit me. <laughs> that's the right way to say it. And so I was shocked at myself, even when I became this person that like, I read the parenting book. So a couple of things to look at, I always say when you're picking a parenting book too, is like, do you align with the person who's writing the book? So the one author that I have read the absolute most books from, she has tons of books. Her name is Sarah Aquell Smith. And you can find her on Instagram. She has these sessions that are called SOS Parenting, where she literally takes questions on her Instagram and will talk through them of the parents' questions. Um, she has books from like Sleep That's how I first found her is because she actually talks about your child's brain development and why sleep can be so crappy at times, which I'm like a... The more I know, the more I understand, the better I can comprehend. Um, and then she has, I'm actually going through right now, her new book, which is, is not a plug for her. I've never met the lady. I make nothing off of this. <laughs> she lives in the UK, but she has this book called How to Be a Calm Parent. And goes directly into how our reaction and emotional response to our child's behavior is actually more implication of how they'll react in the future versus how they'll behave versus all of that than anything else because we are the adult that has the regulation of regulatory ability of our emotions and our actions um and she has another book called the gentle parenting book and let me tell you this there that is like you need to gentle parent your child when they're running out into the street she is no get the situation underhand get them safe take a minute separate both the two of you come back to a calm space and then handle the situation like oh I'm gonna let you run out into the street or jump into a pool when you're not supposed to it's no safety is always first <laughs> and then how we handle our reaction and emotions after is actually what makes it the gentle side of it not you know, construed in that um there I have to get the name of the book because I don't know it because I read it so long ago but there was a book that a friend gave me and I will pass this on to you so you can tag it is it was about parenting a Old, like what but it, it does start with them and how we treat a one-year-old is completely different than a two-year-old and two-year-old for some reason is like when the parenting books all begin they're like oh at age two and it's like um, I don't know my one-year-old was pretty mischievous <laughs> it's like and you need to handle that as well um but that the book went into you know again comes back to their little brain it's like they're not they don't actually have the cognitive ability to be, they're just trying to figure out what works. And so now this is where you, I'm, I, I am in charge, but also like, I want you to be able to, able to channel your emotions healthily, healthy. And I have to help you do that because if I don't, then who will type thing. Um, so that's another one <laughs> that I will pass along. And then there is a, book again so this is a more christian author but it is if you've ever i mean i feel like anybody that's been in a relationship has probably heard this though it's your love language 
so there's it's Gary Chapman. He has the five love languages. You know, we've, we've all heard of it. Like I, mine is physical touch and, um, Oh, what's the other one? Oh, <laughs> like time together, essentially. So he wrote a book all about kids. Love languages. And five apologies and how the different love languages this has been huge because his has been super obvious which he is like Courtney he's a gentle soul he wants to, wants to hold you he wants to be changes so that's another one that I really love and what I will say is again you find you so like for me the reason Sarah Aqua Smith aligned with me is because she won't talk about anything that she hasn't been through. So like, she won't write a grandparenting book. Like she's already said that because somebody has asked her. She is a child psychologist. She is a doula. She is, she has. But also then she also pulls back on some of her training and is like, look, I learned this, but this is a bunch of BS. <laughs> also I can accept and acknowledge as well as somebody who practices um fear-free medicine and animals I was also taught to muzzle and hold a dog down and now I also will never do that I will give them peanut butter and medications <laughs> and create a positive atmosphere so she developed she uh, takes and then also says but hey I also know better type thing so yeah. uh Nat, thank you for sharing those resources. And I will again pop them in the show notes. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful for your knowledge. And I'm so grateful for your, for your presence in my life. And I, and I'm, it's just such a gift to be able to share this with others as, um, as everyone deserves all of Nat's, Nat's nuggets. Um, then I'm like, we might have to do a part two. I know. <laughs> this is like a, like a tenth of motherhood. <laughs> I know. This is literally just a fraction. We absolutely will do a part two. And maybe we'll do do a part two with, once with two. Um, uh, once we, once you. Which Sarah Aqua Smith, I'm reading her second baby book. <laughs> How to introduce the kids. <laughs> well, Nat, will you quick tell us where listeners can connect with you? And uh, yeah, any, any last things you want to say? It's the best way to get a hold of me. It's at the period, the period G. And I just, anything is that I hope that anytime like you're hearing any of this, in the thick of it or whatever it is, or maybe you're like, wow, that's me. Or maybe you're like, wow, that's not me is to just come out of this and courage. Like the goal of this is not that, oh, I can find this, this, and this in my, in my life or my child, because she talked about this, but the goal is that maybe you heard this and you can think of somebody else that can relate to this and you can. that you came out of this encouraged and again if there's something that I talked about it may be
to people. Like I like to have these conversations and, you know, I have to say this because my loving husband will tell me again too. It's like nothing I said is medical advice. So please don't take it as that. It's, it's motherhood advice. And because the reality is this is what I went through personally and questions you guys and never, ever, ever feel like motherhood becoming your identity is a bad thing you can have identities in a lot of different things and one of the best and most joyful ones can be motherhood despite how anybody or anything paints it you know this is for another topic but something I've been talking about a lot on my Instagram recently is the identity that we paint for two and three-year-olds and their quote-unquote terribleness and how unfair it is and same with motherhood like it is if motherhood has become your identity or it has not become your identity it's okay either way just embrace that season yes embrace that season absolutely and I, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And I write that's with anything in our life too, right? Like let it become your identity or not. And, and maybe it's a, it's a spectrum and it's, it's a part of the percentage of who you are as a whole, as, of a, as a human. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, find Natalie at the.natalie.g on Instagram. I will also link it in the show notes. Um, feel free to pop her any questions any any just feelings of resonance i know she would love that and uh yeah until we meet again as we will have a part two um one of these days coming up thank you so much natalie i love you so much dear